Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Light, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Man, I'm glad you're here. I'm going to tell you why. This has just been one of those mornings when, like, I, I sat down the front row, I was worshiping the Lord, and I realized, I don't have a microphone on. Yeah, so I snuck out during the first song, come back in with my microphone on, I went, I left my Bible in my office when I went to put my microphone on. So I had to leave, come back in. And as I left, I went, this isn't my Bible, this is my iPad. I had to go back in my office, come back with my Bible. And now my notes are gone. That's okay. Let me tell you what, first of all, I want to talk to you about next week. Next week, we're going to do something that I've never done before. I've never done an entire Thanksgiving series, but we're going to do three weeks, and it's going to be called Thanks Living. Now, many, many years ago, we, did our thank, we, we called our Thanksgiving sermon that every year, um, but I really feel like that we're going to concentrate over the next three weeks on thanks living. Just, did you get my phone out of my office? My phone's in my car. <laughs> Will y'all just excuse me for a minute? I have lost my mind. That's so funny. Let me tell you what today is not. I am not going to tell you who to vote for today. I'm going to go out on a limb and say most of you probably already made your mind up anyway. And nothing I say is going to, going, to, going to sway that. I'm not here today to beat up on one or another candidate. Frankly, they're doing a pretty good job of that all by themselves, aren't they? I do want to talk to you about the importance, the critical importance, of a Christ follower's response to what happens on Tuesday. Because I've heard many, and I think there's there, part of it we just need to chill out. Because here's what I've heard. <coughs> well, if this person gets elected, the world's coming to an end. The world as we know it will stop to, cease to exist. Stop that. You're giving way too much power to a man. Now, the flip side of that is, you need to be an active participant in what happens Tuesday. My friend Anthony put a video up on Facebook last night. I watched it. It was from a pastor that, frankly, I listened to a great deal. <coughs> Excuse me. And I, I watched this video <coughs> in great disappointment. Because here's what he basically told Christian people to do. Just stay home. Don't worry about it. What's going to happen is going to happen. Um, that's that's ridiculous so we're going to talk today about how a Christ follower should respond and I'm going to pretend like I'm still talking to you while I find my notes on my phone is that okay you know what's funny is one time one of my favorite preachers is a Mark Rutland. Anybody listen to Mark Rutland? I, I love Mark Rutland. And one day, one day he was, uh, he was preaching, and I, was, I used to listen to him on the radio. And it was funny because there was this dead silence, and it was like, what's going on? And he comes back and says, please forgive me. The pastor's lost his notes. So if Mark Rutland can do it, I can do it. All right, so here we go. Let's read a passage of Scripture. It's found in Psalm chapter 33, verses 12 to 22. It'll be on the screen behind me. It's in your bulletin. I may stop in the middle, and let's talk about it a little bit. Blessed is the nation whose God 
is the Lord. The people He has chosen as His own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of His dwelling, He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. Let me, let me get you to understand that. How many know that when God sees you, He doesn't see you as one of six billion people. He sees you. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. Now he's going to tell you where your deliverance does not come from. He's going to tell you where your redemption does not come from. He says, no king saved by the multitude of an army. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. Behold, The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. He's telling you, a king's not going to save you. The military's not going to save you. Strength's not going to save you. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted In his holy name, let your mercy, O Lord, be upon him, just as we upon us, just as we hope in you. I'll read that last little bit. He is our help and our shield for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Father, in Jesus name, we need you this morning. Our nation needs you. Our world needs you. Our government needs you, our churches and our families. We declare our need of you this morning. Speak to our hearts. Touch our, <coughs> touch our land. Heal our nation. In Jesus' name, everybody said. If you had a piece of money in your hand, you would find four words <coughs> that would say, In God we trust. In God we trust. I wonder if we really believe you know, it's funny we put it on our money. Do we trust God for our provision? Do we trust God in our nation? And I'm going to tell you that in the midst of, let me ask you like this. Do we trust God in the midst of the current climate in Washington? Do we trust God in the midst of a down economy? Do we trust God? I'm going to tell you, I had a little eye opener this past week. So what I'm talking to you about today is not Dwayne preaching at you. This is, I, I'm living through this with you. Um, I got my health care open enrollment form in the mail. And I opened it, which was a stupid thing to do. And I noticed the slight increase they were talking about on the news. The slight increase was an not a premium, but an increase of just under $500 a month. I laughed. I'm like, God, we're living by faith this year. Do we trust God when all of, of, of the foundational things that we hope in our economy, our government, seem to be on shifting sand? I heard someone say, God has forsaken America. Can I? I I think the opposite is quite true. I believe America has forsaken God. You know what I find sad is that in, in our public schools today, some of the things that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you aren't taught. See, I heard one of our uh, political leaders who will remain nameless, but you'll recognize it when I tell you that we were no longer a Christian nation. And I guess by pure definition, maybe he's right. But how many understand that, that we, this country wasn't founded on just biblical principles this country was founded as a christian nation let me read to you just a couple of things patrick henry said this 
It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thomas Jefferson said, I am a real Christian, that is to say, a disciple of the doctrines of Christ. I have little doubt that our whole country will soon be rallied to the unity of our Creator, and I hope to the pure doctrine of Jesus also. President John Quincy Adams said this, I speak as a man of the world to men of the world, and I say to you, search the Scriptures. The Bible is the book of all others, to be read at all ages and in all conditions of life, not to be read once or twice through and then laid aside but to be read in small portions of one or two chapters every day and never to be intermitted unless by some overruling necessity. George Washington said this, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. So here's my, here's my point today. As I read that, many of you were saying, Well, it's not like that anymore. And the truth of the matter is we have have very little control about what happens on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, what happens in Washington, D.C., what happens even in our local governments, in our state governments. But here, I've got got something that I can control. I I can take care of what happens at 2335 Lakeside Drive in Monroe. See, I'm, I'm not... We're not here to call all the entirety of America to God. I I would love to do that, but here's what I want to do today. I want to turn our hearts back toward the Lord. I want to turn our hearts back toward the one that can really make a change in our nation. How many believe that God is big enough to turn the tide? Do do you really believe that? Because as, as, an, as a movement, we, we don't behave that way. Now, I'm going to talk to you a lot about our responsibilities as a believer. Um, but I'm going to ask that question again. Can we trust God even in the midst of the current climate at Washington? Can we trust God even in the midst of this incredible election season? Have you ever seen anything like it? I say yes, we can. So I, I got to know who I'm talking to today. And, and feel free to be honest. How many of you would say that you have, like you're like elbow deep into this political thing and, and you're, you, you really are getting into it? Let me, let me raise your hand. Few of you. Several of you. Good. How many of you think, I'm, I'm just ready for it to be over with? How many of you are somewhere in the middle? Yeah, me too. See, I, I want to be involved, but can I just tell you, if I don't see another, uh, another Hillary commercial in, in the next 40 years, it'll be fine with me. I'm sick of them. Excuse me. I know I was supposed to mention names, but we're all friends. <laughs> Edmund Burke said this, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. You and I have a part to play in this process. We must do something. Again, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to tell you who not to vote for. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I I, I think, and and maybe I should have asked another question. There's probably some of you that think, that this kind of conversation has no place behind the pulpit. And for the most part, I would agree with you. But this, what's happening in our nation today is too critical. <clears throat> what's the big deal? Dwayne, presidents come and go. You're right. You're right. But you're going to see in the next few minutes just how, how one stroke of the pen can change the, 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 the tenor of our entire nation. One stroke of the pen. So here's... I'm going to give you just a few things that I want you to do, and most of them are one-word answers. First thing is I want you to remember. I want you to never forget the sacrifices that men and women have made for the freedom of our nation. And when... 
I, I wish, honestly, I wish I wouldn't watch that video, Anthony, because here's, it, it infuriates me when a pastor would say, oh, just stay home, don't worry about it. You're spitting in the face of every man, woman, teenager that has given their life for the privilege of us to stand and pull a, you know, punch a button. No. And, and I, I understand what he was saying. He was saying that scripturally, you're not bound to vote. In other words, it's not sin for you not to. I'm going to tell you it's not wise for you not to. The wise thing for you to do is to get involved in the process and, if nothing else, vote. Can I, can I just, because we're friends, can I say it this way? If you don't vote, then shut up. My grandmother would roll over in her grave. She heard me say shut up from the pulpit. <clears throat> Study what the founding fathers intended this nation to be. And when you find that out, it will infuriate you. It will infuriate you that our students who are going through public school system don't know the foundational principles that this nation was founded on. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to be a person who understands our nation's biblical heritage. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that, by the way, some are, are doing all they can to remove any reference of God from governmental institutions, that the United States never had a Christian heritage? I, that's incorrect. I hope you recognize that our nation was founded on the principles of God's Word, and that our forefathers had every intent that the United States be a Christian nation. The idea of freedom of religion was never intended to mean freedom from religion. Well, Dwayne, what about, what about the separation of church and state? Here's, here's a little constitutional lesson. It's not there. Do you, do you know where you find the phrase separation of church and state? It was a letter from Thomas Je- Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist Organization. And the idea of separation of church and state was for, and it would blow his mind for, people, for him to hear how we've perverted and prostituted that phrase. Because it was never intended to keep the church out of government. It was intended to keep the government out of the church. Why am I telling you this? Before I talk about the voting process and how we need to get involved, everyone in this room, especially if you have children, need to grasp these foundational truths about our nation so you can teach them to your children. Be like Moses. Write them on the doorpost because they're not getting them in public schools. George Washington's prayer for our nation went like this. Almighty God, we make our earnest prayer that thou wilt keep the United States in thy holy protection, that thou will incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of subordination and obedience to government and entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another and for their fellow citizens of the United States at large. And finally, that thou wilt most graciously be pleased to dispose us all to do justice, to love mercy, and to demean ourselves with that charity, humility, and pacific temper of mind, which were the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion, and without a humble imitation of whose example in these things we can never hope to be a happy nation. Was he right? Grant our supplication, we beseech thee, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So understand your biblical heritage. And the other thing, and and you're going to push back on this, is you need to understand biblical authority. Let let me read you a passage of Scripture, and then I'll tell you what I mean. Romans 13, verses 1 and 2 says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. 
For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Was he talking about just the governing authorities of the church? No, he was not. In fact, who is he writing this book to? Do you know the wrong? You think our government's corrupt? Study first century Rome. Disclaimer. Nothing wrong with standing for social injustice, for any injustice. You need to. When, when something's wrong, it's okay to declare what's right. In fact, the reason Roe versus Wade passed is because the church was largely silent. But here's what I want you to understand. Many of you are going to stay up all night Tuesday night, aren't you? I, I probably will. I probably will. And we're waiting on the outcome, right? God's not going to wake up Wednesday morning and go, Wow, I did not see that coming. Well, how could God allow something horrendous to happen? You need to read your Old Testament. Because God allowed all sorts of things to happen to His beloved children of Israel. Some of them were quite uncomfortable. Some of them involved evil leaders. Why would He do that? It was all an attempt to draw that nation back to Himself. So here's what I want you to understand. God's sovereign and He's in control and He knows what He's doing. And just because you don't understand it doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan beyond what your eyes can see to draw this nation back to Himself. So here's here's my challenge to us. Can I just be honest with you? Can I just be real with you? This is something that I'm very convicted about because over the last eight years, I have... I've spoke negatively, made jokes, fussed at. I almost said cussed at, but I don't think I'd... Let's just leave that one alone. (laughs) Our current president much more than I've prayed for him. Especially when I opened my health renewal. I was so mad. So can we commit something as a church that regardless of what's happening, can I tell you, I don't care who's elected, they're going to make you mad at some point. Can, can we do this? Can we commit to this as a church that before we speak negatively, we're going to call their name in prayer. We're going to pray for our leaders. Isn't that the Christian thing to do? Isn't that the responsible follower of Christ thing to do is to pray for our leader? That's what biblical authority is really all about. Even if your guy or girl, I tried. I tried to keep a straight face. I'm sorry. Tracy, please cut that out when you put it up on. Regardless of who's president, I, I know who, who's king. And his name's Jesus. Getting on Facebook on Wednesday and declaring the doom of our nation doesn't do anybody any good. Here's what I want. I've got a, I've got a friend who's actually sort of my cousin who's a pastor. And he talks, so, he, he talks a lot more about Obama than he does Jesus. Can we, can we flip that around? You know, I'm not telling you not to be active uh, uh, politically. In fact, I think you need to. I think more Christian people need to be involved in the process. I'm just saying, can we put Jesus at the top of our list? And, and, And let's talk about him more than we talk about Obamacare. Can we lift up Jesus in the midst of difficult? Can we trust God in the middle of 
all sorts of nonsense going on in, in Washington. If we can't, he's not God. If you're going to have to cut this, Tracy, I need you to pay attention because you're going to have to cut this out too. If Hillary Clinton can stop God's plan, then he's not God. Did, did you hear what I said? If Hillary Clinton can stop God's plan, then she's bigger and more powerful than, Hillary, than, than God is. And can I just tell you, I've seen her and she ain't. Well, you just might want to turn the recorder off. <laughs> the last two weeks, I don't know if y'all know this, but we've been doing, we've been doing Facebook Live. We didn't do that today. Because once, it, once it's out there, because I don't, where's Dwayne? We don't know. We hadn't seen him. So remember, here, just draw this back in. Second thing I want you to do, I want you to participate. Should Christians vote? Yes. Yes. And, and, and there are a, lots, a lot of pastors who, who won't tell you that. And I, and I understand where they're coming from. But I, last Tuesday, I, I got a chance to hang out with my dad. Who is who turned eighty seven Tuesday? My dad was a naval veteran from the Korean War. He can tell you to this day the to the inch the length and width of the runway on Midway Island. I owe it to him to go into that ballot box. Men and women who've given their life to give us the freedom to make a choice. Well, Dwayne, does the Bible say it's, it's wrong not to vote? No, it doesn't say that. But it says this, if any man knows what's good to do, and doesn't do it to that man, it's sin. In fact, next, yeah, we probably don't want to, we're probably not going to do, don't look for this, yeah, we'll put it up, I don't care. (laughs) Next time you complain about Obama, you need to go look in the mirror. You know why? Because 93 million registered to vote, many of them evangelical Christians, and stayed home in 2012. And we complain about our government. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord gives skillful and godly wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding can i you know what i believe i believe we need more men and women involved in the political process i believe we need more believers who are involved in the deal i believe we need more state senators who are believers i believe we need more governors who are believers and the only way that happens is if we get involved in the process The body of Christ is the arms, legs, feet, voice of God in the world. Where else will the wisdom of God come from if we're not involved in the process? If we try to live in some holy Jesus bubble separated from the rest of the country, can I tell you, I, I, listen, there's going to come a day when we're not going to worry about it anymore. And, and we're going to be raptured or go by the way of death and we're going to be at the foot of Jesus. We're not going to worry about an election. We're not going to worry about the government. That day is not today. Maybe it is later, but right now, I'm telling you, we need to be involved in the process. Don't hide away and just, I'm going to hush now.
See, see here, here's the problem. I was so proud. My very first presidential election was the 1982 election. I was 18 years old, and I got to vote for Ronald Reagan, who I think is still, maybe you don't, I, I thought he was a great president. And he instituted some, he instituted some things during his presidency, and I'm not, I'm not going to take the time to read it all. Um, one of them was, was Executive Order Number 12606. And what that really was about was to protect families from bureaucrats and politicians. It, it, again, I'm not going to read the whole part of it, but it, it, it said that any time we enacted a bill or, or put something into law, it had to go through certain filters that protected the family. On April 21st, 1997... With one stroke of the pen, Bill Clinton canceled it. Lifted the ban on funding for the UN population control programs that heavily promote abortion. He lifted the ban on fetal tissue research. He lifted the ban with one stroke of the pen. He lifted the ban on abortion counseling in federally funded clinics. He helped approve distribution of abortion-inducing RU486. He lifted the ban on abortions in military hospitals overseas. His defense secretary ordered the Pentagon to lift the ban on women in combat. He instituted a Don't Ask, Don't Tell program for homosexuals in the military. He gutted the Title 20 initiation, which promoted abstinence in schools and diverted the funds to safe sex programs promoting condom usage. What happened in our families since then? Teen pregnancy skyrocketed. More people are living together without getting married. More children are born out of wedlock. Abortion numbers escalate. STDs are at a record high between the age, with men and women between the ages of 18 and 23 with one stroke of the pen. And we got pastors on Facebook telling people to stay home. No. Do not stay home. Well, Dwayne, whatever happens, it's going to be, it's only going to be eight years. You're wrong. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's, it's much bigger than that. This next president will appoint at least two Supreme Court justices. And they're not there for eight years. They're there till they're dead or retire. And most of them are there till they die. It's so much bigger than the next eight years. So this is what you need to do. You need to decide what's important to you and your family. Well, well, Dwayne, I don't like either candidate. Listen to me. Neither do I. The the person I voted for in the Georgia primary is is home watching college football. He's done. But here's what I've done in my own life. You do what you want to. But I've looked at things that are important to me and my family, in this church. Oh, by the way, pay close attention. How many of you like getting, paying your tithes all year long, getting that nice little deduction in April? That's in the balance. I'm going to say three words, and that's all I'm going to say about it, but you need to go home and read about it and understand what it is. Partial birth abortion. It's a plague in our country. What's important to your family? It's bigger than the economy. So decide what's important to you and to your family, to your faith. Well, I don't... You're going to say, I don't believe either one of them is really a Christian. That's not what I, that's not what I told you to do, is it? And, and forgive me, that sounded, it's not my place to tell you what to do. I will tell you this, that if, it's too big for you to stay home. Participate, participate. Look at somebody say Participate. 
Maybe we can't change. This, this group of people, maybe we can't change the course. Maybe we can. Here's some, as you participate in this process, here's what I want you to do. Now you're, you're not going, you, you like me okay up till this point right here. As you participate in this process, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be committed to biblical principles in private before you proclaim them in public. If God's people lived what we say we believe, those principles we fear are eroding would be alive and well. Well, Dwayne, they're trying to take the Ten Commandments off the courthouse steps. If we lived by them, it wouldn't be an issue. Don't complain about the government running up the national debt when you intentionally run up your own. Don't complain about the government raising taxes when you cheat on your own. Don't blame the government that you can't get a better job when you refuse to be thankful and work hard at the one you have. Don't complain about the government kicking God out of public schools when you won't invite him into your own living room. Don't complain about what God is doing, what the government's doing to the American family when you're not taking care of the family that you have. See, I, I, I think this idea that Jesus said, before you look at the speck out there, look at the log in our own eye. And here's what we need to do. The Bible says judgment become, begins at the house of God. Here's what, let's, we, if we really hold fast to the principles that we're griping about, Let's live like we believe them. Let's live like, if we, if, if we want to vote because the family is important, let's live like our family is important. Let's raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Man, they, y'all were chuckling a minute ago, now it got quiet. If we're going to be uh, on the government's back about the national debt, let's be good stewards of our own income. Let's... Let's do it right here in our own lives, in our own families, in our own church. And then lastly, but definitely most importantly, pray. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. How many of you have heard that verse before? Raise your hand. Two. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God can hear us from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land? I I do. I do. So let's pray for our leaders. Before we throw a a funny Facebook meme about our leaders out, and I've, I've thrown a few. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for this election. Because can I just tell you what, what, what's hurt me about this election more than anything else. How many of you remember Ross Perot? <clears throat> I worked with a guy that had drunk the Ross Perot Kool-Aid. <laughs> and I literally couldn't have a conversation with him without it coming up. And it was comical. And we laughed and joked. And we disagreed on a lot but would disagree over nachos. You understand what I'm saying? We disagree and laugh about... I, I, I'm laughing because of how crazy he is. He's laughing because of how... But we're... It's, it's amiable. 
now if you disagree, somebody wants to hurt each other. What happened? We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray that God intervenes in the hearts of men and women and, and, and blankets this spirit of hate with the, the, the love of God. Listen, I, I don't care. Listen, I don't care who you vote for. That's probably not true. If you want to disagree with me, that doesn't mean I hate you. If you want to disagree with me about social issues, about e- economic issues, about... I, we, we can do that. I mean, isn't that kind of what makes this, gracious, this nation great? Is we can, we can disagree and still live our lives? That's not the case anymore. So we need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for the election of these two, at least two, Supreme Court justices. Because can I tell you who that affects? This front row right here. I I think I'm going to move to our, our prayer time, but I want to read this one more quote. Ronald Reagan said, In 1962, the Supreme Court in the New York prayer case banned the saying of prayers. In 1963, the court banned the reading of the Bible in our public schools. From that point on, the courts pushed the meaning of the ruling over out, ever outward so that now our children are not allowed voluntary prayer. Cases were started to argue against a tax-exempt status for churches. Suits were brought to abolish the words under God from the Pledge of Allegiance and to remove in God we trust from public documents and from our currency. Listen, without God there is no virtue because there is no prompting of the conscience. That's a a wise, wise saying. Without God there is no virtue because there is no prompting of the conscience. Without God there is a coarsening. Are you listening to what he said? Now go this through the filter what I just said of the things that you've seen in some of the urban uh, uh, cities this year, some of the hatred, some of the violence that you've seen, and filter those images through this statement that Ronald Reagan said many, many years ago. Without, uh, excuse me, without God, there is a coarsening of the society. Without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. So, our responsibility is not to just beat people up on Facebook. I'm not telling you not to put your opinion up there. You need to. You you need to. That's what makes this country great. Say what what you think you need to say. But at the same time, can we temper this hostility with the love of God? So, we're going to pray. Donna's going to come, she's going to play, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about two um, opportunities that you're going to have to pray for our nation or for this election this week. First of all, it's, it's, um, there, there should be a little insert in your bulletin. The city of Loganville is sponsoring a 24-hour prayer. Um, do you have that in your bulletin? If, if not, they'll be on the table in the back. Um, starting at 7 o'clock on Monday morning. And the address is, is on that little sheet of paper that, that's hanging out out there. Starting at 7 o'clock Monday morning with a breakfast with uh, Representative Jody Heiss. Um, and from 7 o'clock Monday morning to 7 o'clock Tuesday morning, there'll be somebody in that room at, at City Hall uh, in Loganville praying the entire time. And you're welcome to join at any point. You don't have to sign up, you just show up. So I would encourage everyone to at some point Monday, if you're by there, just you don't have to stay three hours. Go in there and, and, and have a time to pray for our nation um, there at, at Lo- in the city building in Loganville. And then on election day on Tuesday, from 
about 9 a.m. till I leave and go vote at 4 or 5, this building's going to be open. Those doors will be open. There'll be some music playing. Just come in here, sit, kneel, walk, um, and let's pray for our nation. Pray for our election. Pray for pastors. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, you know, you, you heard me. The, the reason there's, I, I didn't want to say some things, and, and, and honestly, we're not on, you know, we're, we're not on the radar. You know, 10,000 member churches are on the radar. So nobody, you know, the, the First Amendment police aren't listening to my podcast. Maybe. But here's the deal. Here's what's at stake. There's, there'll come a point when, when I said any of the things that I said today, we lose our nonprofit status and you don't, you don't have the ability to write your taxes off. That's, that's coming, by the way. That's, that's on the horizon. There's a movement to silence the voice of the church. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray today. And we're going to take a couple of minutes to do this. I specifically want you to pray for our nation, for this election, for our Supreme Court justices, and for churches to be the city on the hill that they need to be. So will you pray with me? Bow your heads. Now don't just listen to Dwayne pray. I want you to pray. In fact, I'm going to turn my mic off and I'm going to kneel at my seat. If you want to do the same, that's you're more than welcome. Let's pray together while Donna plays. we pray for our nation God it seems in so many ways that a nation that once called on your name and strived to live by your standards and your word has seemingly stepped away from you so God we declare with our voice that we want to incline our ear and our heart toward you We recognize that our provision comes from you and our livelihood comes from you. It's your breath in our lungs. God, we pray for this election. God, we're going to participate and we're going to vote and we're going to do our part, but ultimately you're in control and you've got a plan and you've got a purpose. 
and you know the end from the beginning. So God, we just pray that you would cover our nation, this election, with your grace and mercy and your great plan and provision. There's so much at stake, God, and you're able and more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or even imagine. And we know, God, that your word tells us that you turn the hearts of princes and kings. So, God, we believe that regardless of who's in office, you can turn a heart. You can change a mind. You can do a work. We love you, Jesus. We declare and we're sure that you're in control. You're a sovereign God. And we love you. And we love you. And we love you. Amen. Before our ushers come, I want to I mention one thing to you. You need to read your Old Testament. Because here's what you'll see in the Old Testament. Israel would, would love God for a while, and then they would step away. And they would love God, and they would step away. And, and God's always using sometimes very unpleasant things to draw the nation of Israel back to himself. And then God goes silent for 400 years. 400 years. Not a prophecy. Nothing. For 400 years. You know what the next sound God made was? A crying baby in a manger in Bethlehem. How many of you know that what, we, what we're witnessing could be the very events that usher in the return of Christ? Yes. So listen to me. Don't you get down. Don't you droop your face. Don't you be depressed about whatever happens on Tuesday. Look up because redemption coming close. I believe that with everything in me. All right? God bless you. Our ushers are going to serve you. Listen, on your connection card, hang on just a second, God. I forgot one thing. On your connection card on the back, there's, there's a little checkbox that says, I'll memorize 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. I want you to memorize that. Put that on your refrigerator. Put it on your makeup mirror. Memorize it.